morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Okay, well, who's all the snow people that wanted snow? Okay. In the name of Jesus, snow. Now, Jesus and I are talking, and, and we're kind of like 50-50. I said, it's okay. You can let it snow any day but Sunday. So right now, he's kind of keeping up his end of the bargain. I can, you can let it snow, exactly. So, But hey, good morning, and thanks for joining us, both those online and those joining us in person. It's always a privilege to hopefully encourage you um, and stir your heart. Maybe this time of year, obviously, the Christmas season is huge. And like Alan said, you can't not come to the... A candlelight service on Christmas Eve because a beautiful young lady invited you, not Alan, who's old and gray, but it was a beautiful young lady, and she was amazing. Thank you, young lady. So her voice will be ringing in your head all week long, but seriously, if you're not doing it on Christmas Eve, have some friends and family, we would, we would encourage you to encourage them to come join us and just hang out and sing some Christmas carols. Some of the kids are involved in one of the songs, which will be a blast, and then we kind of go from there and celebrate Christmas. Morning and welcome to Crossroads, those online and in person. Thanks for being here. My name's Rob, one of the communicators here, and it's an incredible privilege to hopefully share with you. Hopefully it stirs you this morning, but do me as a favor, would you? Just stand with me this morning, just as family. Just stand with me for a second, would you? And let's pray. Dad, you're amazing. And especially this time of year, lots of people get to think about Christmas and all that it represents, and, and you come to the surface, and you, you come into focus uh, around this time of year. We just ask you to come today, wherever people would be meeting all over our valley, all over our country, all over our nation, all over our world, as people would lift your name up, as we just did with our worship team this morning. Father, would you show up, and would you allow who you are to rest upon people in a super, super natural way? Dad, I ask in your precious name, all those people said... Amen, amen. Have a seat. Hey, question for you, just as we're starting this morning. You don't have to answer, just think about it. Um, you ever had to deal with um, feeling like you've been marginalized? Um, what do I mean by that? Um, by that question? Like, treat it as insignificant or, or treat it as, like, unimportant or even made to feel powerless voiceless by somebody somewhere. I know people can throw out a lot of people groups that have been marginalized, and I'm not trying to diminish that at all in any way, shape, or form, but I wonder if you ever felt marginalized. Why? Because some of the people um, in today's story, as we look at the Christmas story again, had to deal with being treated that way all the time. All the time. No matter what they did, no matter where they were, they were literally marginalized by all the people around about them. They were literally made to feel less than. The whole backdrop of today's thought or idea, it's at the same time as the story of Jesus kind of starts to unfold, as we know it as the Christmas story. And so it's set in that moment that, that Jesus is being born and all the Christmas stuff is happening. All the Irish people are celebrating because Jesus was born in Ireland and we snuck him into Bethlehem. No? Okay. When you get to heaven, you'll all find out he has an Irish accent and he wears pixie boots. All the religious people are like, oh, God, he can't say that. You need to take a chill pill. Like, seriously. He's my best friend. I Hopefully, he's yours. I Hopefully, he's not someone out of distance in your life because he never designed it that way. That's religious people, and that's religion, that we push him away, and yet he wants to come close. As we'll get to see in Jesus' life, he was a master at turning stuff like marginalizing people upside down. He said stuff like this. You'll find it in Matthew. I don't think it's on a slide. It might be, but you'll find it in Matthew 25, 40. It says, and the king will answer them. Don't you know when you cared for one of the least of these, my little ones? My true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. Jesus was never about marginalizing, marginalizing anybody. In fact, he was the opposite. He, he wanted to close the gap, as it were, not open it. He done everything in his power to close the gap to allow people to be personal. I mean, seriously, I, Alan, thank you for bringing your daughter up here this morning. I think that's just what Jesus loves to do with us. He just loves to involve us in the stuff that he's doing. And he's okay with it because we're kids and we're family. He wants to always close the gap. I don't know about you, but, but I think some of the best Christmas gifts 
around are the ones that kind of say that one size fits all, as it were. And you could say that Jesus is that kind of gift to everyone that wants to respond to his offer, right? It, his gift's available for every single person, regardless. The, the whole being born in a manger thing, I know what that stands for. What does it stand for for me? It's this, no matter who you are, all are welcome in that place. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter what your upbringing is, no matter your track record, no matter what race you're from, no matter what color you are, and this is not a color thing, so please, if you want to email me, email me. It's not a color thing. Jesus doesn't see color. He sees hearts. He doesn't see, well, he does see Irish people, but he doesn't see everybody else. <laughs> he sees the heart of a person, not the color of their skin or the accent they have, right? He, he sees who you are on the inside. That gift that he offers Everyone, he wants you and I to respond to it and receive it. See, here's the truth. There's really no room for pomp and ceremony when it comes to talk about, talking about visiting the manger. It was not clean. It was not warm. And there was no pomp and ceremony. There was just a bunch of animals standing around, like looking over the thing, like, oh, look at that. That's a strange looking animal. That's a little animal, or whatever they were doing. When it comes to the manger, there's no room for pomp and ceremony. There's just room for people. Jesus just invites us. Like the manger kind of levels the playing field, you could say. What do I mean by that? Men and women, boys and girls, people of all shapes and sizes, colors and the like, rich, poor, blind, those who think they have it all together and those who know they don't have it all together. The bruised, the battered, the scared, the lost, the lonely, the angry, the hurting, the heartbroken, me and you. And then just for fun, you can throw the shepherds and the wise men on that list as well. There's room for everybody at the manger where Jesus is lying. Everybody. You don't have to bring a resume, just bring you. You have to bring, hey, I've jumped through a bunch of hoops, just bring you. You don't have to have fixed a bunch of stuff and cleaned a bunch of stuff up, just bring you. But sadly, there's always been some group of people who have been marginalized, treated as insignificant, treated as unimportant, made to feel powerless by somebody somewhere. But can I assure you that's never been Jesus? That's sometimes been religious people, unfortunately, who represent Jesus. That's sometimes been a bunch of other people in different cultures, but never Jesus. Never Jesus, never, ever, ever came to separate people. He always came to engage and connect with people. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this, then Jesus says, come to me, all of you. No resume required. That's my words. So the theologians, said, that's not in the Bible. That was me. Who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. Then Jesus says, come to me, all of you. There's no marginalized people that have to stay away from Jesus. There's nobody in it. He, he wants all of us to be able to come to him. He's for all of us. He's for our neighbors, for our towns and our cities, and of course, our friends and family. I think you get the point. Regardless of all the stuff that culture has stirred up, to use to separate and to disqualify us. See, value is not found in what you have. It's found in who you are, whose you are. It's not found in what you have, and it's okay to have a bunch of stuff. It's really, really okay. But that's not your value, your identity. Your identity is in whose you are. Who is it that's a part of your life at the deepest of levels that in a season like this you can turn to, on a, on a difficult day you can turn to, on a good day you can turn to, on a normal day, on an average day you can turn to, and engage with. But I wonder if we actually believe that statement. But for those who have embraced that idea, there has to have been a moment that the message got through to them to a place that they decided to move from believing it to receiving it for themselves. As did those we'll look at today, a group of marginalized people. They believed it and they received it so much they couldn't help but give it away. Why is the message of Jesus so perfect and inviting for every person? Primarily because it has nothing to do with you and I. It has everything to do with him. 
If you hear nothing else today, please, you're accepted and welcome in his company simply because of who you are and what he's done for you. You have to jump through a bunch of hoops, fix a bunch of stuff. You can just come as you are because Jesus gave his life. The baby was born so he could die so that you and I could be responding to his message of wanting to have a relationship with you and I. You ever felt marginalized? You ever been treated as insignificant? Made to feel unimportant, made to feel powerless, made to feel voiceless, made to feel not welcome and not included? I have. I grew up believing that I had to be a certain way and that the pathway of my life or for my life was already set. I came from a Protestant family, most of you know that, from Ireland, and maybe you don't know Irish history, but Protestant and Catholic people hate one another. I grew up in a really staunch Protestant family, so my upbringing was that you hate every Catholic you come across, and you beat the tar out of them, and as you grow older, you get to a point where you enjoy killing them. That it's okay in Ireland to kill Catholics, because they are a pestilent, they're a disease to our country is what I, what I was brought up with. So I, I didn't know anything else. I, I just was following in the fa- good old family footsteps. I was the eldest son of the new generation, and so everything was being passed on to me. See, I never dreamed that I'd be welcome in his place, in this place. I never dreamed that I could be in a place like this with different people and it would be Okay. Never dreamed that I could have a relationship, not because of blood, but because of a Savior. That those who know Jesus are more of my family than my blood family are. Because here's the truth. Some of my blood family, if they don't fall in love with Jesus, they'll come a day where I won't be with them. I'll be in heaven and they'll be somewhere else. Not because I want them to be there, not because Jesus wants them to be there, because they've chosen that. See, I, I never dreamed that it would be okay for me to be welcome in a place like this, in his place. I didn't think I deserved it. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I was the right type of person, et cetera, et cetera. Why? Because I wasn't really a nice person. I lived life in a survival type of mindset. My country was at war with itself from within. As I said a minute ago, Catholics and Protestants fighting and killing and hurting and hating anger at one another just on a constant basis. I really didn't know anything else. For me, religion that was represented in my life was used to hurt people. Even in the British Navy, I served for 14 years in the British Royal Navy as an engineer. I was part of a minority group of people because I was from Northern Ireland. In case you don't know a little bit of American or British history, is Great Britain's made up of four places, not just one. So here's to help you out so you don't offend Irish people. <clears throat> as you go forward, now you'll know. Don't ever say to an Irish person, are you from England? That's like spitting in their eye. When people, are you from Britain? You're obviously from England. Do that. So it's like, oh, yeah. Like, Britain is made up of England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. So those four pieces of landmass make up Great Britain. And, and Northern Ireland is so small, it's carpeted, okay? There's only a handful of us. And so when I joined the Navy to represent Great Britain, not England, just to help you out. Any English people in the room, by the way? They're like, nope. (laughs) When I joined the Royal Navy, there was such a small contingent that came from my country. And if you don't know me, I've been in Utah for about 12 years. I've been married to the hottest, sexiest Filipino chick in the world, Andrea. I got it in for 27 years. I've known her for 30 years. Andrea used to interpret for me in church. She would sit in the front row like 27 years ago when I first came to the States. And I would talk and people would be like. And I would look at Andrea and she'd be like. So 27 years. Honey, I'm doing better. Yeah, thank you. 27 years later. So, but um, because I was in the British Navy, I had a really, really high-pitched Irish accent. I don't understand a word my mom says when I call Mom, I love you in case you're watching. You're wonderful. But when she calls me on the phone, I'm like, Mom, yes. I'm like, I love you so much. She goes, I know you do. I'm like, can you start again? Because I don't understand a word you just said. Because <laughs> she talks way up high and way down low. And where I'm from, there's an inflection and in an accent that's part of the communication. So 
when I first joined the British Navy, obviously I stood out like a sore thumb. I was, I was one person amongst a lot of people. So there was an element of being marginalized because I was different. And then Jesus allowed me to have my own manger experience, as it were. As someone who felt marginalized most of his life, just before he joined, had a moment that changed his life. Absolutely changed his life. Someone who had heard his message and believed his message, decided to share his message with somebody, their story with me, and it changed my life. Here's the thing. You will hear so much more about the power of a story and the power of your story next week. Please, please, please don't miss it. I I was invited in. I was allowed to come close to him with no restrictions, no strings attached, no resume required, just the atmosphere that would have been present in the manger. I felt the same thing that night when I was invited in to have a relationship with Jesus just solely based on what he'd done for me, not what I could do for him. That night at the manger, I wonder what it felt like, Dave, when the shepherds arrived. There was nobody standing at the door checking their resume. There was nobody standing there going, what are you bringing? Nothing, get out of here. There was nobody standing there, do you know your track record? It stinks. Why would we ever let you in here to see this baby? Get the blankety blank out of here. There was none of that. They just arrived. There was a donkey looking out the window going up. There's the shepherds, I guess. Come on on in. Or whatever donkeys do. (laughs) Right? The door was fully open to every person that showed up. Nobody was restricted. Nobody's restricted today. Not in his house and not in this house. I don't care about your background watching online or here. I don't care. He doesn't. You are welcome in his presence. You are welcome right next to him. No resume required. No fixing of anything required. He just welcomes you and I instantaneously into his presence. Just like the group of marginalized people in the story. Group of shepherds. We're invited to come close to him. You can read the whole story later on if you want to. It's found in Luke 2, 8 through 20. In the Passion Version, I would suggest, it says stuff like this. Don't be afraid. Well, duh. For I've come to bring good news. The most joyous news the world has ever heard. As it is for everyone, everywhere. For today in Bethlehem... A rescuer who is born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by his, this miraculous sign. You will find a babe wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. When the choir of angels disappeared and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Oh, that, my, that was different. Now they said, Let's go. Let's hurry and find this word who was born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they hurried off and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. No checklist required. No clean yourself up required. It doesn't say they went and got a shower. So the shepherds had traveled and traveled and traveled and traveled and traveled and traveled. And they probably arrived there covered from head to foot in dust and everything else. They doesn't say they changed their clothes. Some theologians may think that doesn't say that. They just showed up in the clothes they wore as they traveled to be with this baby. And they were instantaneously welcomed into the baby's presence. As you read the different accounts in Luke and Matthew of the Christmas story, two groups of people are highlighted. Shepherds and wise men. Or kings and magi are different names that are used for the wise men. I don't know which group you best connect with, but I know for me it was the shepherds. Whether you're a shepherd or on the other hand or end of the social scale, the magi, the wise men, regardless of your age, your past, your present, your race, your religion, your gender, your status, success or failure, everyone is welcome to come and visit Jesus. Regardless of who you are or what your background or maybe for some of us what your baggage is. Every person is welcome in his presence. Nobody is marginalized by him. In case you don't know, shepherds were less than the lowest of the low in those days. In fact, they weren't allowed to participate in temple sacrifices or religious rituals. Except, In fact, they weren't allowed to be in this room. 
They weren't allowed to come and have church. They wouldn't be allowed. They wouldn't be invited. They'd be like, ah, James would be like, nah, shepherd, get the hurt out of here. I'm sorry, not welcome. Yeah, I know, but you come, I know you've come along. I know you've come from Belfast, but maybe not. No, no, you're not, you're not welcome. Literally, they were removed from this sort of expression. They were removed from allowing themselves to worship. They weren't included in the populace, as it were, as people. Shepherding had changed a little bit from a family business, as in King David's time, to a despised occupation in Jesus' time. The rabbis of the day, the religious leaders of the day, considered shepherds to be religious outcasts who had, no, had little to no value to a point that their testimony wasn't even admissible in court. They and their voices had no value. If that's not a marginalized group of people, I don't know what is. But even being there, they had no value. They had no voice, as it were. They literally weren't even considered to be included in their opinion mattering about this whole thing. And yet, a choir of angels appears and sings over them and with them and says, oh, by the way, today, everything changes. And oh, by the way, you're the top of the invitation list. He would like to see you first. Marginalized people were included in his group of people. But on the other hand, the magi, the wise men who were considered probably to be on the other end of the spectrum, big difference except when you came to see Jesus. See, all were and are of equal value when you step into the manger, when you step into his presence, when you step into his house. I don't mean to ask you because that would be inappropriate. But I know some of you don't like your past. I know some of you hide it. I know some of you go, I'm supposed to have this, and yet there's a, there's a hole inside you that works so hard, but yet... There just seems to be not enough. Like in our culture, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. I know some of you in this room go, I don't know if I should be here because you don't know what I've done, but I know he does. I don't know, you don't know what I have. I don't care because you can't take it with you. I don't know your backgrounds. I just know he does, and you're welcome in his house, in this house, in his presence. All the time. See, the Christmas story for me reminds me that everyone is welcome. That everyone has a place. That everyone has of equal value in the, in the Savior's eyes and in my eyes and in this place. I don't ever want this place that represents him to be a place where people feel they're not welcome. That they feel marginalized. That they have to change and be different. They don't. We've said it a whole bunch of times over the years. I've been here for 12 years. I want people to belong before they ever have to believe in Jesus. I want them to feel like they can belong in a place like this and they can feel like they can just be themselves before they ever have to believe in Jesus. In fact, shepherds came to the manger that night not really knowing why, but they just came to meet the baby. And they did, and it changed their life. That manger was a perfect place for a Savior to be born. I don't know if you have a friend who feels they're not welcome, but they are, regardless of how they feel or what they think about themselves. They're welcome in his place, in his manger, and in this place. Watching online here in person, you're welcome to be here. You don't have to clean anything up or do anything different. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You just need to be willing to be close to him and allow Jesus to draw you in his due season and his due time. This place may not look like a manger, but the heartbeat behind it, why it's a manger, is as alive here today in this place as it was all those years ago in the manger. Yes. That all were and are welcome. None were or will ever be turned away. Come as you are, just like the shepherds and the wise men. See, God wasn't looking at the external he was always looking at the internal, our hearts, their hearts. Can I fast forward for a second to a perfect picture 
of the all are welcome as you are invitation that is continually played out in real time through Jesus' life from the day in the manger to the cross. It's later on in the story. It's way beyond the Christmas season, the Christmas story, the Christmas moment that we find ourselves in that we represent and think about right now. In fact, it's nearing the end of that baby's life. If you ever wanted to know what Jesus meant by what Jesus said, just look at what he did and he's continually doing to this day. When you're ready, please. Thank you so much. It's not you. There's quite a lot going on right now. So it's good to have you back. I don't know what to say. I don't require much. I'm so ashamed. You redeemed me and I just threw it all away. Well, that's not much of a redemption if it can be lost in a day, is it? <laughs> I owe you everything. But I just don't think I can do it. Do what? Live up to it. Repay you. How could I leave? How could I go back to the place I was? And I didn't even... I didn't even come back on my own. They had to come get me. <sighs> I just can't live up to it. Well, that's true. <laughs> but you don't have to. I just want your heart. A father just wants your heart. Give us that, which you already have. And the rest will come in time. Did you really think that you'd never struggle or sin again? I know how painful that moment was for you. I shouldn't. Someday. But not here. I'm just so sorry. Look up. <laughs> I can't. You can. Look at me. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> ever want to know what Jesus meant by what he said just look at what he did marginalized people if you don't mind me saying struggle to look up because they feel disqualified and unwelcome excluded judged condemned whatever word you want to pick but they're not Jesus, the Father, just wants her heart. Not a bunch of doing, not even a bunch of saying, not a bunch of jumping through a bunch of hoops, making up for your past, blah, 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 blah. 
just wants people's heart. That's all he's asking for people to start with. Not even to change. Sorry. He's just asking that we would give him access to her heart. That that baby lying in a manger became a man. Grew up and became a man. And worked this whole process. It was continually creating opportunities for people to find freedom. That the marginalized would no longer feel marginalized. Those who've been silenced or voiceless or devalued or whatever word works for you in reference to being marginalized. He took it away and takes it away continually. See, because if Jesus can get hold of our heart, then everything else will follow along behind it. I was chatting to someone yesterday and they're talking about my 27 years of knowing Andrea, my 30 years, 27 years of being married to Andrea, 30 years of knowing her. Like I fell in love with her a long time ago. But I've continually been getting to know her over time. Jesus goes, just give me your heart and let's take a journey of discovery of one another. Let's take this journey of just allowing me to continually be needed into your life more and more and more and more and more. And the baby was innocent and welcoming of everybody. And the fully grown man was innocent and welcoming of every person. He still includes us today as he did back then. Why? Because the heart affects everything else about you. If you're struggling today, online or here in person, any way, shape, or form, Simply start by giving him your heart. That's all he's asking for. I'm not asking you to become something you're not yet. He's not asking you and I to become something we are not yet. He's just asking to allow him to have access to our heart like a bunch of other stuff does. Thank you. I wonder if the birth of Jesus was a starting point for a new mindset of allowing people regardless of their status. Maybe you and I could even use the word marginalized to be welcome to be around him first while they decided to move to a place of believing in him second and then ultimately to a place of sharing about him with others. For us, and I think for Jesus, it's okay. Please hear my heart. I think it's okay if you're watching online or here in person, I think it's okay to invite people to come and belong first before they ever have to believe. We're not trying to change people. I don't change anybody. I don't heal anybody. I don't fix anybody. I can't really help anybody. I just try and point people to the guy that helped me. I've chosen to believe in him. You don't have to watching online or in person. That's your choice. I just chose all those years ago to allow Jesus to become the Lord of my life and Lord of my heart, and daily he changes me. I wonder if Jesus' journey through the manger said something so loud to creation that it shook it to its core. That all were in our welcome and that none will ever be turned away. I know in the Christian faith there is a theological argument about this, and I'm sorry, but I'm right. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm, actually, I'm because I'm going to read it for you because it's actually in the book. So here we go. 1 Timothy 2, 4 through 5 says this. Who wants everyone, that's Jesus, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. He wants who? He wants all to come to a saving relationship in him. All. All, I think, in French is all. All in Irish is all. All in Mexican is all. All in American is probably not, but all. All. Sorry, here's a Greek lesson. All means all. Not just some, not a particular group, not Irish people, well, maybe Irish people, but not just, just, not just a particular group. All 
I want all people to get to a place where they can have a saving relationship because they choose it. Because they choose it. So every single broken person watching or here, you are welcome in his presence, period. Thank you, somebody. Okay. We need, anyway, Lord Jesus, I will focus. I wonder what the same message of openness proclaimed by us today could say to the culture that we live in, to our neighbors, maybe even to our friends all around about us today. That that baby, I think, would ask me and you that it would be this, that they are welcome and they'll never be turned away. As I think back to the early days, I felt not welcome. Not because of Jesus, but more so because of me. And sadly, at times, by some of the people that they said that knew him, I just didn't feel I was good enough. Some of you maybe have heard the story. I... Uh, I got saved back in Ireland, joined the military, came across to England, did my basic training, was stationed in a place called Portsmouth, England. Um, little church I got saved in, doesn't matter the name of it because it's not appropriate, but I went to the church that I was sent to in England. And a few months after there, I went to a concert on Saturday night, um, Probably like a Keith Green type of, his name was Cliff Richards, but it was kind of a Keith Green type of concert. Kind of like Jason and them this morning, the battery, they, weren't they good? They were really cool this morning, like, really, really cool. Um, I went to a concert on the Saturday night, and they had drums, and uh, I went back to church on Sunday, and they threw me out, because in my church, they didn't believe in instruments, especially electric guitars, especially drums. And on Sunday morning at church, as I walked through the door to have communion, because I forgot my tie as well. well. I don't ever wear a tie unless I'm going to bury you or marry you. Um, <laughs> and, and, that's, and hear me, hear me, hear me. No, that's okay. It's okay to believe that way. It, it's not a salvation issue. What you wear is not a salvation issue, Right? What music you listen to is not a salvation issue. Well, it's maybe some, no. Anyway, it was right. It's not. But in my church, they've taken the baby invitational of all a little bit too far. But for them, drums and electric guitars were too much. And your dress code at communion, Robert. Though I understand their heart was you weren't dressed correctly. So that morning, two ushers, polite, two elders. Let me say, hey, Robbie, you should probably find somewhere else because you seem to like that music from last night. I'm like, I did. It's like really, really cool. There was people like, I mean, there was people dancing. I mean, there was, even white people. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, because none of you guys have rhythm. It's ridiculous. It really is. But I love it. I love it because I don't, right? I, I just, I'm like, I just, yeah. Jason's like, oh, Robert, Lord, help him. Um, but but I, I was asked to go somewhere else because they forgot that all are welcome and none will be, away. Will be ever turned away. Amen. See, this church is never going to turn anybody away. This janitor, because that's what I feel a lot of times. You're never going to turn anybody away. You may not agree with me. I know some of my friends are watching this morning who don't agree with me. But you're always going to be welcome. You're always going to be welcome in this place to allow the baby Jesus to maybe rub off on you. See, God had a plan. And he inspired some people to live out three core values in my life and around me because they profoundly impacted me and it become a part of my life and my journey. Can I just for a moment lean back into some of my and our, ultimately, our core values here at Crossroads Church to maybe share what people who feel marginalized maybe need first. Love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Marginalized people, first of all, need unconditional love. Everybody at the manger got that. The baby didn't turn anybody away. Shepherds, wise men, 
everything in between were welcome in the manger, in the house as it progressed on over the next couple of years. When they came, they were open-armed and open-hearted. They welcomed into his presence. They were not rejected. For me, unconditional love was given to me at the deepest of level. And John and Doreen, you've heard this story before. Been privileged mentors of mine for 44 years of my life. I've just had the joy of having him in my life. Because when I first experienced the baby Jesus through a person, it was through them that they unconditionally loved me. They walked in a spirit of acceptance of me, that wise men and shepherds and everything in between were accepted in the manger that day. That in my life, John and Dorian unconditionally loved me and accepted me and didn't approve of what I did because I was a bad little boy doing bad little things or bad big things. But they accepted me simply because I was a human being made in God's image. They loved me unconditionally. They walked in the spirit of forgiveness towards me because my language was choice. I was still coming off survival mode in Ireland of just surviving the days and wars and violence and hatred in my nation. And they walked in the spirit of forgiveness towards me as I discovered how to get close to him. Why do I say that? Because all of us have stuff that may try to disqualify us, but Jesus doesn't. He finds a way to redeem you and I and the manger scene, I believe, is the beginning point for the redemption story of Jesus. Please, please, please remember this, both watching or here in person. Christmas is a reminder that God has always prioritized the marginalized. Always. He has always prioritized those people who feel like they can't be close to someone like him, the insignificant, the treated as unimportant, the made to feel powerless, valueless, and less than. So what would it take for us to do the same? Mary didn't want to look at him until he coaxed her. What would it look like for us to do the same? Who in your life could you give the invitation of a lifetime to? A friend who maybe feels that way, marginalized, that is, rejected, of no value, not welcome, not included, not safe, etc., etc., etc. Maybe a first step could be an amazing young lady who stood up here a minute ago and invited you to a candlelight Christmas Eve service that's absolutely non-threatening. Jason, would you come, please? It's absolutely non-threatening. In fact, Jason's one of the ones we lead in worship. He's the most non-religious person I know. In fact, over the years of knowing him, it's been a privilege to know him for nearly 20 years. He's got in trouble for not being religious over the years around me. And I just love it because I watch people freak out. I watch Jason take Christmas songs and and kind of church songs and bring his own music in and just allow himself to be. I mean, look, if you do this, it's actually Jason under there. <laughs> Weird, right? He doesn't change to be anybody else than what God's called him to be. I remember meeting him as a teenager, young adult. And he struggled to look up at times. Because he didn't feel welcomed. Because if you hear his story, of all he's had to live through and walk through and deal with in his life, there's a moment where the light bulb came on and Jason stepped into the manger and the baby went, hi, Jason. And Jason went, you know my name? He goes, Jason, I knew you before you were born. In fact, I made you. Every piece of your life has been laid down before you took your first breath. In fact, before your name was ever chosen, Jason, by your parents, I chose you. I chose you. What does the whole Jesus manger thing mean? It means you're welcome. No strings attached. What if you could invite a friend or a neighbor or a family member 
as their first journey to feel welcome in this place and not feel marginalized. In fact, they could look up and look someone in the eye and they would smile at them rather than scowl. That they'd get a hug rather than slap in the face. They'd get a handshake rather than being pushed away. What if we could be the conduit for Jesus this season to allow someone to experience Jesus the way you and I have experienced him? The baby in a manger who became a man and who said, you're welcome in my presence. Just come as you are. I know this has been debated for a long time and I was thinking about it this morning and last night and last week. To be really honest with you, theologians are probably going to freak out at me as a pastor saying this, but I just want to be honest with you. I don't really fully grasp the whole giving your life to Jesus thing. I'll be really honest. I don't. I just know it works. (laughs) Because it worked in my life. And it was a Thursday night at 10.30 at night. And John McMillan, who may be watching today, said that baby that we're talking about invites you to come and be close to him. He wants to change you, Rob. And I'm like, you're kidding, John. I'm a disaster. I said, I want to be like you, John. He goes, no. I love you, John. Don't don't be like me, Rob. Just let Jesus fill you. Let Jesus change you. I remember that night, I knelt by my bed because I didn't know what else to do, Lauren. I said, Jesus, I, I know you've changed this guy because he's amazing. And I, I want to be like, no, that's right. He said, not be like him. I, I want you to change me because my life is a disaster and I'm a mess. And if you really can take someone like me and you can really change them, I dare you to come and do it. But pause for a second. I did. I don't mean this disrespectfully. Please hear me. But Lord, I, I don't want the shirt. I don't want the shirt. And I don't want the jewelry. Because there's a group of people at my school that I've been at for six years. And not one of them has ever told me about Jesus. Because I don't look the part. In fact, I look angry and violent. And fighting my way through school. So I don't blame them. So if you're really going to come and you're really going to do this, Jesus, give my life to you thing, which I don't understand even now sometimes. I dare you. Come change this kid. But do it all. Not just some of it. And I don't know how to explain it, but that night Jesus stepped into my bedroom. And the baby all of a sudden became fully present in my company. He leaned over my life and said, hey, kid, I'm here. I was like, you really are, aren't you? Like, can I open my eyes or should I keep them closed? Like, I can feel you here. What do you want? He's like, you asked me. What do you want? I'm like, um, how do I say this, John? Like, just my own words. Um, um, can you really change me? person or watching, I don't know. I don't know if that's how you feel marginalized because I, I did that night. I felt insignificant. I, I, I felt treated as unimportant. I, I felt made to feel powerless and valueless and less than until that moment. Because here's how Jesus saw me and here's how Jesus sees you and I. It's in one of my favorite psalms. I'd like to close it there. I'd like to ask you to close your eyes. Don't fall asleep and don't snore. Close your eyes. At home online, if you're at home, don't close your eyes. Keep watching me. But, or you can close your eyes. I want you to listen to something that has been 
one of the foundational linchpins of my whole life of why I no longer feel marginalized and why you shouldn't feel marginalized. It's fine in Psalm 139. The passion version that says this, I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You've informed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I ever even seen the light of day, the numbers of your days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you were thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought, oh God. Your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. And when I awake, each morning, you are still with me. Can you look at me a second? Online, here in person. I don't know where you're at. I just want to tell you this. You are welcome at the manger. And you are welcome here. Just as you are. I don't know what you need today, but Jesus does. Would you give him a chance, an invitation to transform your life? Would everybody just stand with me a second? Pastor Adam, would you join me a second in your gorgeous Christmas sweater? I am glad that you laughed because you should. No. <laughs> Just like middle school. <laughs> this is how church is supposed to be. I don't want you to feel heavy or weighted down. Online, you can text in the box here in person. If you have a sense this morning that you know you need Jesus to do something fresh in you in this whole closeness area, if you don't know him, you can simply say, Jesus, I want to know you. Would you change me? And he will. But as a believer, when you know, Lord, I, I, I want to I want to have that closeness stirred up in me afresh because maybe the last few weeks or whatever have been heavy. And that's you this morning, Lord. I want to have that lightness of laughter that we had this morning. If that's you, I want you to come to the front. Don't worry about people looking at you. Don't give a rip. Don't worry about anybody else. If that's you, just come to the front so we can pray for you. Thank you. Forget about everybody else. Like People are watching me. Who gives a rip? You're not responding to him, are you? You're responding to Jesus. That, that's the bottom line. I'm going to ask Pastor Adam to because I'm going to stand with you guys. Because here's what I don't want. I, I don't want my faith. I don't want my faith, Kurt. I don't want to be religious. I want to be heavy. I don't have to jump through a bunch of stinking hoops just to be close to the Savior. I just want to go next to the baby lying in a manger and check him out. I just want to go next to the adult man called Jesus and not have to do this. But he would say, what to me, Adam? Look up and be comfortable looking in his face and be okay with that. Seriously. I don't want you to go into 22 with, and please, if I cross a line with people, please come see me. I don't believe in religion. I'm really sorry. I don't. I believe in religious kind of habits and behaviors. Like I read the Bible. I sing songs. I mean, I love that stuff, but I don't believe in the weight of religion. I believe in the closeness. And I love this guy. Of relationship. That's what Jesus wants for you and I. That's what this whole baby in a manger, marginalized group of people thing was all about. That there was none in his eyes and there is none in his eyes. And this morning you were welcome in his place.
So Pastor Adam, would you pray over us this morning? Because I want to feel that closeness for myself. I don't want the weight. Let me be transparent. I don't want the weight of being a pastor to rob me of the joy of just being his kid. Because that's how it can get sometimes in church. There's all the church stuff. And I go like, really? I just want to be with the baby. I just want to be with the baby that grew up and became a man who wants a relationship with me. Yeah, it's great to know him. It's great to learn about him. It's great. But if you're not intimately comfortable with being with the baby or intimately comfortable being with the man that you don't have to do this, that you can do this and you can look him in the eye and be okay with that, there's something in the way because that's not his church. His church is freedom. Pray for us, Pastor, would you please? I don't know if this will be a word for some of you that came up or, or maybe uh, for some that didn't, but uh, in the Christmas story, the wise men come with gold and frankincense and myrrh. They brought whatever they thought was very precious to them to give to this baby Messiah. And I think sometimes when religion can get a little funky, it becomes all about what good things we can come and bring to God, which there's, of course, a time and place for giving God our very best. But that's where religion can miss it because it misses that the baby's the gift for us, which is the whole point of the Christmas story. It's not all the precious wonder how, look how awesome we are that we could do these good things. It's realizing, oh man, the gift is not what I give to him. It's this beautiful gift that he has given to the whole world, regardless of, uh, of your past or your current circumstances or what you find yourself in tomorrow. So God, I just want to thank you for the wonderful gift that you have so given. <laughs> it's Jesus, your one and only son. And it's a gift for the whole world. It's a one size fits all gift for anyone who would want to receive it. I would pray for my friends up here that if there's any obstacles in the way of them just purely receiving this wonderful gift of your son, that those obstacles would be removed. If there's lies that are being spoken into people's hearts and minds, that this gift isn't really for them, that um, your grace isn't that extravagant, that I somehow have to bring some gold, frankincense, and myrrh if I really want to earn this thing, if I really want to make a good impression, if I really want to kind of get him to see me or notice me or get his love. No, 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 no. <laughs> we come with... <laughs> whatever we have, and, and we just embrace this beautiful gift of your son. So Lord, bless my friends who need a touch from you today. We know that you're here with them. Uh, you, you're going to walk with them. You're going to walk back with them to the seat that they just left to come up here, that you're not going to stay here in this building. You're not going to stay here on this stage, that your spirit, if we invite you into our lives, will go with us and empowering us, Lord. So if anybody here needs salvation, I pray they would just ask for it today. They would receive your grace and your salvation and forgiveness of sins so that you could fill them with the same spirit that filled Jesus, that that same spirit would indwell in them and be with them all ways, through their pain, through their suffering, through their joy, through every life circumstance that they find themselves in, Lord. So we love you and we thank you uh, for this season, which is this great reminder of the beautiful gift of the Messiah. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody says amen. Man, yeah. Hey, guys, as the young lady said this morning, have a seat. Um, as the young lady says, more if you have a family member or a friend, um, think about it, pray about it, invite them to come join you, maybe Christmas Eve, maybe one of the Sundays next, next week, next Sunday. If you want to know how powerful a story is or how powerful your story is, I'd encourage you to come next Sunday. Because uh, you have a story, I mean, by the word of our testimony, the blood of the Lamb, but you have a story that people need to hear. That there's some people that your story will impact that mine never will. So I'd encourage you to come next week just to hear the transitional part of our Christmas story. Thanks so much for being with us. Have a wonderful Christmas week. If it snows, praise God, hallelujah. It's not snowing on Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and love somebody. Would you reach across the aisle? Stand with me again, guys. Reach across the aisle. Hug somebody. Pull someone's hair. Pull someone's nose. It works best for you guys. Have a great day. God bless for now. Thanks.
Reach your heart deep.